not. Um, Joshua is just an example of a man that engaged according to the way God called him and what we're going to be talking about in that spiritual warfare. And so we're going to be looking at, for the next several weeks, spiritual warfare. And I'm just simply calling it God's war because that's what it is. Um, when we take a look at the world around us, I want to um, ask you some some couple of uh, questions, some true-false questions. And generally, you're pretty good at those. you got like a 50-50 shot at it. Um, so the question number one, uh, true or false, America is at war. Yeah, it depends on if you're looking at the, the spiritual side of things, and you, you obviously feel that way. Uh, true or false, Christianity is winning. <laughs> this happened in the first service, too. It's like, false, tr true, because uh, you're processing what it, how that answer might look. So I guess you would say, of, of course, it might feel like uh, at times Christianity is not winning, but we know, we know it is because God is, God is sovereign and God is leading. So we're not losing. It's very important for us. It may feel like it at times, but God is moving, clearly moving toward the destination for which all things are appointed. So he is moving in that direction. So uh, true or false, the battle rages in our community. Absolutely. Okay, so beginning our series on spiritual warfare, uh, just uh, I think a few years ago, I started looking at this and thinking, I think I preached on this not really that long ago. And, is, and I started questioning myself, and it's like, oh, man, is this what we should be talking about? And I was really thinking and struggling with it during the week, and I think, well, I've already kind of committed to it. I've told everybody we're doing that. So, uh, and then I just felt the, the Lord settling my heart to go, yes, this is, this is clearly what I, I want you to talk about. This is the time. This is a time where even if we did talk about it recently, we, we need to talk about this. So we will be getting to, obviously, getting to Ephesians chapter 6. But today, I want to talk through the book of the opening of Joshua. And this was pretty important to me when I was a young Christian. When I first became a Christian, this text was one of the first verses I memorized was about um, standing, be strong and courageous, and um, meditate on God's word day and night, and do not turn to the right or the left, and those concepts, and, and that you will be prosperous and successful in the way that you shall go. So those concepts were formative in my Christian, in my Christian, early Christian experience. And so maybe they will be to you as well. And I want to talk about that. But the Bible describes the world as a war zone. And the world in which we live is, is a war zone. And the story of God's love to human beings and how he sent his son into the world to be our savior by confronting and defeating evil. And the context of the story of the Bible is a cosmic battle between good and evil, between God and Satan. And I'm sure you're aware that it's not an equal fight. Satan is not God's equal. They're not like two superpowers duking it out. It's one superpower and one that thinks he is. They're not equal. It's impossible that Satan could prevail. But it feels like it because God is letting him do certain things in order to write his story. And so Satan has a role to play and he's playing and it's very real. But I, I just want right from the beginning when we talk about spiritual warfare, we're not talking about equal players here. We've chosen to go 
as Christians, what we've said is, I'm choosing to go with the one who I believe and I'm very confident he prevails. And that you see that there's these two powers going at it. Satan is super powerful. But he's no comparison to God. He's way more powerful than you and I. And his power is displayed constantly in our world. So we're watching. And sometimes we wonder, like, Lord God, why aren't you acting? Why aren't you engaging more? He is. He's doing this exactly, perfectly the way he intends. And you are a player in this story. And here's something God has done. He has given you something that's called free will. And so you're going to have to decide which side you're on. You're going to have to decide, do I choose God? Am I going to change sides? And am I going to move over to here to God's side because I believe clearly that God is stronger? I believe that God is at work. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and therefore I need to shift sides. I need to change because the Bible makes it very clear that everyone comes into this world on the wrong side. And we have to willfully choose. We hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and the offer is presented to us and we have to change sides. What I'm trying to do this morning is stir our church up to be engaged in God's war. This great cosmic battle. It runs the whole gamut of scripture. The beginning of this great story about Jesus Christ began... And before God, before Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan, Satan began something that I often just refer to as the Great Rebellion. The Great Rebellion began in heaven, and then it came to earth. It began in the place where there were angels, and Lucifer, the enemy of God, decided he wanted to be equal to God or even worshiped like God and he rejected God's authority he rejected God's plan he tried to begin an overthrow and obviously there was no match but with him he talked many uh, angels into going with God's side and so we have these two these two sides and then Adam and Eve were given a choice to choose and they chose poorly and that affected the whole of human, the human race. And it created something that we call um, human depravity or a fallen nature of man. Man had fallen from the condition that they were in. They had fallen from this high and glorious role of being righteous and being like God and living in harmony with God. And they fell and lost all of that. They fell from that, that wonderful high position. And they fell into sin and they had a sin nature, so they're depraved in, in the human heart. And it began, the great rebellion moved from heaven down to earth. And it's playing out. And Jesus was announced right then and there. When the rebellion started, God also announced the solution or the remedy would be Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so this great war began on, on the earth. And it's going to continue to the very end, the end of the book, the end of the Bible. We read about the, the conclusion of the great war. And it, is, it says in Revelation 29 and 10 that fire came down from heaven and consumed them like all the enemies of God. And the devil who had uh, this was thrown into the lake of 
fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets were and they were tormented day and night forever and ever. So this, this God's war will go on until this final day will happen. And in the middle, the story is that in the middle there will be millions and millions, billions of human beings who will be made in God's image and they're all going to have to choose which side they want to be on while they're still living and that's going to determine where they will spend eternity. So that's the big, that's the big um, story that's taking place. The reason I chose Joshua was to talk about this is because he, I just thought about the impact that he had in my life and this passage and the story, and he's just a player. He's just one of many players. There's many players. You can go to Hebrews 11, and there's a list of the really important players, but that's all they are. It's God's war. And Joshua was someone who embraced his calling. And he became a warrior, and we can learn a lot from him. And so I want to I point out eight things that we can see in Joshua. Okay, so Joshua is... Well, point number one, God will never leave His promises unfulfilled. So Joshua is jump in, jumps into the story because God made a promise. And there were people before him like Abraham, Noah, um, Noah's descendants, um, even Moses right before Moses. So Joshua had this little window of time that was his life. And he had to take up his role in God's war. And he, he jumped in there. And it has to do with God's promise. Because God had promised that he would bring salvation. God promised that he would deliver us from sin and evil. God promised that he would defeat Satan. God promised that we would have a future. That there was a glorious future for those who line up with God. And so we have this, this promise. And the whole reason... Joshua was willing to jump in this is because he believed that God's promise was true. He had spent the early part of his life, like everyone does, living for the wrong reasons. And when he was in Egypt and they were still in slavery and sin, he realized that God had promised to deliver them. And so he put all of his confidence in God and he learned from Moses. And then he took up his role, whatever role. He didn't know when he first signed up for God what his role would be. He didn't know that he would be a great man. He didn't know that he would be written in Scripture. He had none of that. He just knew that, well, God made a promise, and I think God will keep His promise. I choose God. And he rejected the gods of Egypt. He rejected the, um, the apathy that many of his fellow countrymen had, and they weren't really looking to God, even though they had, God had promised their father Abraham. So Abraham, uh, Joshua was all in, and he committed. And he committed because God had made promises, and he believed Him. He expected God to fulfill His promises. God will never leave His promises unfulfilled. And so that's kind of the reason I hope that you're thinking about Christianity or the reason you jumped in is because God's made promises to you. Like God has promised you to deliver you from death. God has promised to deliver you from all of your sins, from all of your guilt, from everything, pardon you. God has promised you an eternal home. 
God has promised you that no matter how bad this life gets, there's a better life coming. That you have this glorious picture of heaven in your mind. And when you read the last chapters of the Bible, you read or anywhere in the Bible and you start studying about heaven. And when people talk about heaven, and it's like, man, it just sounds like amazing. And you go on these worldly vacations and it goes, no, no, heaven's way better than that. It's like anywhere you go, you can go and see the most wonderful things. You go, no, no, heaven's way better than that. And this is temporary. And then you get sick and God promises he'll deliver you one day from all your sickness. Or you lose someone you love and God promises he'll heal all your hurts and he'll wipe away your tears. And you begin to get this picture of something that God has promised. And you're like, I want that. I want that. I will give up this temporal world and the pursuits of this world. And so because of God's promises, you choose the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why you chose Christ. Because God made these extraordinary promises to you. And Joshua was no different than us in that way. He wasn't like some, he didn't know the plan. He just knew what God had promised. And he said, I'm in. I'm changing sides. That's what he said. I'm changing sides. The devil breaks all his promises. He promises all this stuff to me and all these promises. Everything ends up empty with him. Bitter. Even death. And so Joshua believed that God will never forsake his promises or leave them unfulfilled. And that's what you have to believe. That's the reason you're in this. This isn't the end. We're not there yet. Do you agree? You think this is it? You think this is all we get? You're like, no. There's a whole lot more fun things I could be doing today if this was all we're going to get. I'm going to go for the gusto. I want to live for now. What you've actually decided is you've tried that. And it wasn't this wonderful and tasteful and delightful and eternal. And you had enough of the negative taste of this world. You say, I don't want to put all my eggs in this basket. I want something better. And that's why you're here this morning. A second lesson we can learn from this is that divinely appointed human leaders come and go. But God is the one who brings the victory. And Joshua believed that. Joshua's like, I'm a player for my time. I'm a player. I'm in. I'll do my role. But I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm not the dude. I'm not the main guy. I'm not that important. I'll play my role. God's the ones that's important. Because it says when we begin, it says, well, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Moses died. Moses was the guy. Everybody thought he was the guy. It's like, we can't do this without Moses. Moses wasn't the guy. God was the guy, and Jesus Christ is the guy. And Moses had his little run. He had his moment, and he had to take his role. And he embraced his role by faith. He believed in the promise of God, but he said, okay, Lord. And you remember Moses, he's like, I don't want to be the guy. It's like, send someone else. He didn't want the role, and they finally... He realized that he needed to play the role given to him by God. And he says, okay, okay, I'll, I'll go, I'll do, I'll do. He made mistakes, but it wasn't really resting on him. And Joshua was the next guy in line, next man up. He said, Moses, Moses is dead. And therefore, it's, it's your turn, Joshua. Take the role, take your assignment, take the role I've given you. And that's what I want to say to you. This is our time. We're up. We're next one's up. You're up. You can't dish this off to someone else. You can't just spend a whole lot of time talking about the people that have already died. They did their role. Their time's up. This is our time. This is our time to take up the role and the mantle given to us by God. We have to stand now. We have to stand in this day and age. We have to confront the evil that's in front of us. We have to choose. We have to make a decision. Which side are we on? And then we've got to get in the game. Do you understand that? 
We got to get in God's war. You believe there's a war out there. Do you believe it's real? Then get in the game. That's what spiritual warfare is. It's like get in the game. Get your boots on and let's go. Grab your weapons and learn how to use them and let's go. It's not about church meetings. Church meetings are equipping time. Church meetings are to get you ready. This is where we give God praise and we get order and marching orders and then we go and serve in the name of the Lord. That's what this is about. This is God's war. God is fighting a war and we're in it. And we can't pretend like our job is to read the Bible and have sweet quiet times with coffee on our front porch. Those are wonderful times. I love it. But that's not what this is about. This is about war and eternity and the souls of men and the, the fighting and combating evil. There is evil in our world and we are called to engage in battle. And it's terrifying. And that's why he says, be courageous. We'll get to that in a minute. But we're up. You get it? We're up. It's our turn. Someone's going to follow behind us and they're going to finish it. I don't know that we'll be here to finish. We might. It seems like it's getting closer. But whatever our role is and assignment is, we're up. It's our turn. We can't just sit on the sidelines and watch this watch. We're in the game. Okay? And then he says, be strong and courageous for the Lord is with you. And I don't feel so strong some days. Some days I feel really strong and that's when I'm being really stupid. Because I think I can handle it, and I come to find out I can't. I'm not so strong. I make terrible mistakes, and it's when I think I'm doing great that I'm in a dangerous place when I ever become self-confident. Self-confidence is the demise of the work of God. It's Christ-confident. I'm Christ-confident. That's where we need to be. And therefore, when he says, be strong and courageous in the Lord, for the Lord is with you. Be strong and courageous. Why? Because the Lord is with you. He's the strong one. He's the courageous one. He's the one that can help us with our fears. He doesn't say you should not have any fear. He says overcome fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is going forward in spite of your fear. That's courage. Courage is like, I ain't afraid of nothing. That's just pure stupidity. Courage is when you go, and I am afraid, but I'm going anyway. Courage is when you face it and you go forward and you put your trust and faith in God. And like, I don't want to speak out. People are going to get mad at me. I don't want to lay, I don't want to claim that I'm pro-life. I don't want to claim that I'm, uh, I don't think uh, lesbianism and homosexuality is a great choice. I don't want to say that. It'll offend people. And Jesus says, you go forward in my name and you trust me. Because you were there. You had all these views. And I've called you out because there's a great war going on. And so Jesus is calling us and summoning us to be courageous. And it's not going to be easy. That's the whole point. This is not easy. War is not a game. And so it's, it's hard. But he's saying, I, I want you to be strong because I'm with you. I'm with you. Don't worry. I'll help you understand. You're like going, what if I say the wrong thing? I'll be with you. I'll help you. Just trust in me and sure you'll make some mistakes. But it's really ultimately not up to you. It's not on your shoulders. Let me Trust my leadership and then take the role I give you. And that's what he's asking us to do. Number four. Number three was be strong and courageous. The Lord is with you. Number four, follow the manual given to us by God. Don't, you don't need to go write your own manual. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to do, verse 7, all according 
to the law of the most my servant commanded you. So what, what is the, the law? It's just simply another way. That you, they would talk about God's word as the law. The law was what's lawful, what's legal, what's, or what's righteous. And that's just simply another way of referring to the word of God. He was saying, be strong, courageous, obey God's word. Don't turn to the right or the left. Don't turn to the right or the left. Follow the manual given to us. And that's what we're to do. And that's what God says. And I, I, don't, I don't want you to learn this without applying it. Because the Bible says that, that you're like a person that looks in the mirror. In James it says, do not be hearers only, but doers of the Word of God. Because the person who's just a hearer is like someone that walks in the mirror and forgets, walks away and forgets what they look like. I'll tell you, there's one person in the world that I'm pretty sure you don't forget who what they look like. And that's you. And the Bible says that's like someone who studies the Bible and they can't remember what they look like. In other words, they don't ever put anything into practice they're ever studying. But they're not applying the Word of God to their lives. And so God is saying, pull out the manual and live by it. It's the best advice ever. God's advice is great. It's a pretty, it's a great play. It's a great idea not to lie all the time. It's a great idea not to sleep around. It's a great idea not to steal things. It's a great idea not to cheat. It's a great idea not to spend your whole life coveting what someone else, what belongs to someone else. These are great ideas in the Bible. And the Bible's saying read the book and then put it into practice. And that's what it's part to be in God's war. It's like I'm going to take up God's, God's guidelines, God's principles. I'm going to actually stand for what God says is right and wrong. And I will promise you the minute you do that, you're going to have some people that hate you. They will not like you saying, they say, keep God out of this. Keep your Bible to yourself. And it's like, well, I can't. It's my, it's my, guide, for, it's my guide for life. As a matter of fact, I'd like to share with you why I think this is a better plan than what you're doing. I used to do what you were doing. It didn't go so well for me. How's it going for you? Let's talk about, well, what are your, what are your guidelines? Where would you get them from? Who's speaking into your life? Where did you come up with morals? Do you even believe in morals? Is there a standard? Where did you get your standard from? And you start asking questions to people. And God says, I want you to, want you to do that for me. And then number six, true success is defined by God and not by the world. The world tries to define your success. The world, and, and we listen to them. It's like, I want to look cool. I want to be rich. I want to... If I have the right house or the right, drive the right car or if I'm good at sports or I'm really smart or I'm really good at video games or I'm really good at technology and like I know how to use my phone better than anybody alive or, um, or you know, I write these cool things and people like or dislike and, you know, we have all these things that people, um, how people measure us and we feel the measurement and we're like we want to, we want to be measured well by, by the world. We want to be important and all that. And God says, no, no. True success is when you walk with me. And when I, I approve and when I favor you, true success and is staying close to God. And that the world doesn't always think that's that important, but God is saying this is what's success is and you read my book and you put it into practice and it'll keep you close with me is, is that is that interest to you was that interesting to you would you rather have God say 
I like where you're at in life, or you'd rather have people saying, oh, he's so cool. He can hit the golf ball so far. He's the coolest person on earth. Like, have you seen the way she can draw um, cartoons? It's like unbelievable. Or have you ever heard this person sing? Did you know this person does this, this, and that? You, if that's what you're living for, then you're going to get conflicted and you're going to not live for the right things and you're going to get confused. And God says, I have a plan and I want you to walk close to me and that's what God considers true success. Okay, and then number seven, engagement is not an option for the believer, it's a command. Verse nine says, have I not commanded you? Like, I, you're in my army, here are your marching orders. Um, you've signed up, let's, let's roll, let's go. And number eight, God will always be with you to carry out his will. So he doesn't send you out to do something that he hasn't, promise to go with you he says um, do not be frightened do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go uh, that's important right is that important to you when you go do something it's like that you're kind of like well God is with me does that ever comfort you have you ever had to do something you go I don't want to do it but I think I'm supposed to and even though it was hard and you had to step out of your comfort zone, it's like but I, I, I'm pretty sure God will be with me. This is not a fool's errand. This is not my own thing. God will help me speak. He'll help me stand strong. He'll help me go there. He'll help me make a commitment here. He'll help me. He'll be with me. If I give myself to do what is honoring to God, I know He'll go with me. I know that would please Him. I know He will favor me. And it's going to be hard, but I, I'm going to trust Him. Okay, so I just, I just want to close and I want to give you a little picture. Oh, what's what? Oh, number nine doesn't exist. If I said nine, there's only eight. I'll, I'll, I'll make up one before you leave for you, Terry. It'll be just for you. Terry's number nine. Okay. Um, I just want to, I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. We'll get to Ephesians 6, and that's where we're going to dig in when we do a little bit of more study in this spiritual war, warfare, God's war. But in Ephesians 2, it describes you are dead and a trespasses in sin. And musicians, y'all can go ahead and come up. I want you to listen what happens. You, you, you and me were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world. That's us. We follow the course of this world. That's what we naturally do. Following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that was now at work in the sons of disobedience, whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So here's the path we're on in, this, in God's war. We're just doing our thing. And we feel like we're free to do that. We feel like no consequences. I'm just free to do my thing. I can do my thing. And it says we follow our passions. We go wherever we want to go. And we pick our own desires and our, our flesh and our desires and what we want leads us. But it says that we're, we're under wrath. We're children of wrath if we do that. So the answer is how do I... 
even though I'm, my assessment is that I'm doing fine, but God's assessment is that I'm on a deadly course. And the question I just want to leave you with now is, are, is anyone here ready to change course today? Are you ready to change course? Maybe you're on a certain course and you're thinking, you know, I, I think that's probably right. I have been kind of centered around doing my thing and I think I'd rather be successful in God's, God's view and that is give your life to Jesus Christ. And, and then ask Him for the assignment He has for you. And then engage. And um, just find out what it's like to really be alive. That's what it really is like to be alive. It's like to, to take up the calling of God. It's the best thing you could ever do with your life. And then uh, get in the game and hold on because it's exciting. It's hard. It's exciting. There's a lot of twists and turns. There's some good days and bad days. But you always go back to this. He's, he's going to keep His promise. And one day, no matter what I have to go through, I will be with Him. No matter what, I'm not giving up anything that I'm going to get to hold on to anyway. All this stuff I'm trying to hold on, I'm not going to get to keep it anyway. So I'm going to invest in the future by right now investing in Jesus Christ. And if, if that's where you are, then I just would recommend that. In the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at um, a little bit more about God's war. Father, thank you this day for your love for us. Thank you for the story of Joshua and um, how he was just there in his time and he chose to walk with you. And we want to be like that. We, we're in our time right now. And we want to walk with you, God. Father, I celebrate. We celebrate today that there's some people who want to be baptized and they've made it known they want in the game. They have identified with you. They've chosen sides. They've picked Christ over Satan. They've picked heaven over earth. And they're so excited and they want to be baptized and they want everyone here to know that they love Jesus. And they've, they've joined with you God and I just pray Lord that maybe there's someone here that's trying to decide right now if they want to join with you God if that's you then I just ask you to look at the cross where Jesus died and look at what he did for you and he's calling you right now right here right now to say come come join my side I will keep my promises to you I've made he's made these wonderful promises and he'll keep them to you so Lord I just pray if there's someone right now right here who's wanting to um, reach out to you if your heart is reaching for God right now, then in the name of Jesus, just say, Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. And if you're wanting to be baptized, then, then just come on down to the river with us today and let Jesus display in front of everybody how much you love Jesus. In his name we pray, amen.